Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today on this lovely June morning. So if you are watching online and you are able, stand and worship with us today. And if you are here, please stand with us. Let's praise the Lord together.
my goodness, he is great beyond words, the ability of our words to be able to describe him. He is incredible in life and in death. Sherry's back. Where are you, Sherry? From, yeah, and uh, be, we've been praying for Sherry and the loss of her mom and just pray, continue to pray for her. Uh, we got a text from Monica Medina. Usually they sit right in here where Keith and, uh, and Kristen are. And by the way, welcome back. It's been a while since we've seen you guys. They came equipped with a little boy. He's in the nursery. Uh, didn't have him before, but uh, that's a new addition, one of the later models. Okay, so we're glad to have him. But Armita called, or texted and said that her mom was in transition right now. She's getting ready to go to heaven. Um, the last couple of days has not been alert, has not been uh, communicative. But I'll tell you what, we've, we've seen her two or three times in the last two or three weeks, and she's been amazing. Every time we go over there, she's just been so positive and so no, no complaining, nothing, talking about getting ready to dance in heaven. And, and you know Baptists and dancing, right? And, and so, but I didn't give her a rough time about it. I figured, you know, uh, if she wants to dance on the way to heaven, that's okay. So also be praying for Billy uh, Falling's family. His service will be at Miramar uh, National Cemetery. And I believe it is the, I will tell you ahead of time, but I think it's the 28th of this month at noon, 12 noon. So I'll get that information to you for sure. Uh, but it's good to have all of you here, first time visitors and people who we haven't seen for a few years and others. Thank you so much for being in God's house today. But let's pray on behalf of the names that I've mentioned just now. Sabrina, good to see you. <laughs> yeah. Pardon me, y'all. All right. Father, we thank you so much for being such an awesome God, for being a God that we can trust when we're healthy, when everything seems bright and cheery, for being a God that we can trust when the storm is sailing us and the winds are blowing, the skies are dark and threatening. Thank you, Lord, for being that kind of a God that we can trust no matter what. We pray your blessings now upon every person here. God, you've brought this unique congregation together for such a time as this. Never before has this same group of people been assembled in one place. And so, Lord, we, we wait upon you and your Holy Spirit to fill us with your words and with your will for our lives and I pray that we'd be willing to do whatever it is you want us to do. And if there's some here this morning, dear God, who don't know for sure that heaven is their home, like Armida knows, like, like Billy knew, and like others know, Father, we pray that uh, you would lead them into the throne of grace today and that they, today they might receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Forgive us of our sins and bless us today. Be glorified in everything in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Leave seats on the aisle as much as possible. We still have some folks that are coming in. Uh, turn the mic down just a little bit, Nick, if you would. And uh, if you are a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, we would, well, first of all, you've blessed us by being here already. But a second blessing would be if you would take one of these cards in the seat back in front of you, and if you would fill that out, we'd know a little bit more about you. If you have prayer requests, you can put that on the back. If you have a question about church membership or baptism or salvation or, uh, if, you know, whatever you want to know. If you want to know something secret about Bobby, uh, <laughs> Whatever it is you want to know, we'll just go ahead and fill this out. Either turn it in to me or in the back. Good to have you back from vacation, too, by the way. Uh, in the, I get someone to pick on, see. So, uh, 
Uh, in the back, next to the double doors, there's a, there's a, on a stand, there's an offering box that our members put their tithes and offerings in. But as a guest, all we want you to do is put your guest card in there. And thank you so much for being here today. A uh, couple of announcements I want to share with you. Uh, after the service today, there will be a military feed. Uh, feeding all of those that are military who would like to right next door. Uh, and Ryan and, and his wife, Hope, will take care of that every week, and we appreciate that very, very much. And then check out the bulletin. If you didn't pick up one, be sure to get one because there are several Bible studies going throughout the week and opportunities to fellowship together around the Word of God. Next Sunday is Father's Day. Guys, I told you take care of her on Mother's Day because Father's Day was coming, right? So you reap what you sow, buddy. Uh, so I hope you have a great Father's Day. I want you to be here. We're going to be preaching on Dad, a man of the seven seas. But it's not S-E-A-S. It's C-S. Never mind. You'll find out. Come here uh, next week. Also want to share with you, uh, this is a borrowed bullet. It's not my, uh, it's not original with me at all, but Soldier's Duties, the bulletin article. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. As Paul came to the end of his earthly life, he took great pains to encourage his disciples to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and to guard and to pass on the precious teachings that Paul had taught them. Paul compared Timothy's life in the ministry of the gospel to the life of a soldier. The Greek word translated endure hardness is used twice more by Paul each time in this book. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Paul holds him up, himself up to the, the example of such endurance that when he claims, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. As soldiers of Jesus Christ, we're to avoid entangling ourselves with something that will hinder our effectiveness. Anything that takes our effectiveness away from serving our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ um, is a violation of this command. We, we become entangled. It's a great word. Uh, it means entwined or involved with. The soldier must be able to draw his weapon freely and use it effectively and cannot do so if something is clutching onto him, binding his arms and legs. Our text follows the well-known admonition, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The goal of the soldier is to please his leader. So must be our goal in the warfare at home, at, at hand rather, preserving and passing on the truth as Christians. We have been chosen to be in the army of the general who himself died to assure our ultimate victory. He deserves our total devotion. So unless you think, unless you think uh, the Christian life is just uh, one big nice picnic and party, uh, it is not. It is warfare. It is spiritual warfare. We'll be talking about that and somewhat in the message today. Uh, but make sure that you put the Lord first in your life and you show up and tune up and be the soldier that God wants you to be. If, if that phrase is not, does not ring with you, be the sailor that God wants you to be. Maybe that will have a little bit more of an application to you. We are looking, we're, we're getting down to the last couple of weeks. We have four or five students from the Basque region, Spain and Portugal, uh, who are still looking for homes for, for one month. Come and live with your family, participate with you in family events, 
uh, come to church. They, many of them are not going to be Christian. They, this will be the first exposure, real exposure to real Christians that they've had. So we're looking for four or five homes in the last two weeks. So we're going to show the Basque video another time. And if you're interested and you would like to do this, please contact me right after the service today or use this little card here and turn it in. We'll get the information to you. But watch the video. Summer in the USA is an opportunity for churches and families to engage in foreign missions right at home. Students from the Basque Country in Spain live with Christian host families for the month of July to improve English fluency, but their lives are forever changed when they experience the love of God through the families and church community. For the month of July, families in our church make a decision to open up their homes, which I think hospitality actually was like the first century church's strategy to share the gospel. The people here are incredibly unreached. There are nations like Saudi Arabia that have more believers percentage-wise right now than people in Basque country. The opportunity for a Basque people to know about Jesus is none. I mean, we are few Christians, that's a reality. In my family, they doesn't speak about that, but I want to know about him. If people don't go to Basque country, or if hosts don't take Basque country into their home, it appears as if there will be no reproductive disciple-making in Basque Country. When there was the announcement about Summer in the USA and the concept of hosting a teenager for uh, a part of the summer, it kind of pulled at my heart. She came and uh, was here for a month and lived in our house and just kind of did whatever we did. So hosting a Basque student was a, a really cool way for us to give intention and extra meaning to our daily lives and just having this person with us where we were sharing the love of Jesus with them, showing our kids what that looked like, and then just giving it that extra meaning to our entire summer. When we first heard about the opportunity, I thought, there's no way this is gonna work for our family. We're way too busy. Our house is probably not big enough. The kids are little. Like, what are we gonna do for the month of July? And I'm so glad we decided to just jump in and do it because we had the best summer and we fell in love with Isado. The impact that you can have in such a short period of time is like years of work, ultra condensed. Trust that if God is pulling at your heart, bottom line, follow that lead and it will work. So if you can host a young man or a young lady for the four weeks of July, please let me know. It would be a blessing to them and a blessing to you. It could be an eternal blessing to them. And by the way, when they do come to know Christ as a personal savior, they get uh, hooked up with people back in their native homeland who will then help them to grow and disciple them in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're interested, let me know. Let's stand together as we continue to worship the Lord.
Okay. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Boys and girls of First Baptist Church, come on down to the front and meet with your preacher just for a couple of minutes before you go to classes. So while they're coming, uh, moms and dads and everybody else, if you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, we'll find the first mention of the name that we're going to study today, the name of God. But boys and girls, come on down here. We're glad to have you all. You know what? I came from a part of the country. When I was the size of all of you different times in my life, I was in a place where it would snow a lot in the wintertime. Are any of you from a place that, where it snows a lot? Do you know what snow is? <laughs> Anybody know what snow is? What is snow? What is it? It's kind of like ice. Yes, ma'am. It is kind of like ice. Yeah, that's right. We're in agreement. We have unity here amongst the boys and girls of First Baptist Church. And so we would, we would have snowball fights, and we would have snowball fights at lunchtime. As soon as we get through with lunch, we'd go out and throw snowballs at each other. And then at recess, we would throw snowballs at each other and have fun. But there was also another game we used to play called uh, King of the Hill. 
And anybody ever play King of the Hill? All right, some of you do. How many, anybody, anybody out here play King of the Hill? King of the Hill, if you look it up Wikipedia, it talks about we, you figure out who's on top of a hill or on top of something, and they're the ones, and you try to get them off the, the hill. You try to become the king of the hill or the king of the mountain or the king of the castle. It's called lots of different things. And the way that you get to remove the person from the hill is, is something you have to determine ahead of time. So there's rules about it. Usually the way you do it is you push them or you pull them or you, you know, somehow try to get them off the king of the hill. What's not encouraged is hitting, tripping, uh, you know, throwing hard objects. That kind of stuff is not uh, usually allowed. Uh, and, and actually, that game is probably not played a lot on today's school grounds because <laughs> somebody might get offended if, if they were the king of the mountain and not the queen of the mountain. Or I don't know what. Who knows? It's probably gone the way of dodgeball. How many play dodgeball? Anybody play dodgeball? You'd come home with a big red, half of your head was bright red and kind of swollen and throbbing. Uh, great times we had in school, great times. And so it can be a fun thing playing King of the Hill, but let me tell you something. There are a lot of people who think they're the kings of the hill. They think they're the most important person, most powerful person in the whole wide world, but there's only one real king of the hill, king of the mountain, king of the castle, and that is God. God is the only real one. And whatever you do, don't try to get him off. Don't try to get him off the, the king of the mountain because uh, he is the one and the only one who needs to be there. And he will be the one who protects you and takes care of you and loves you all your entire life. So let's pray to the king of all the mountains. Let's pray to him right now. Father, we thank you for these boys and girls. We thank you, Lord, for being sovereign, for being all-powerful for being the most important person in all of the universes and all of any place. Lord, thank you for loving us the way you did to send Jesus to die on the cross for our sins that we might have everlasting life by trusting in him. I pray, Lord, that you would be the king of every one of the young girls and young boys up here before me today, all of their lives. You would be their only king. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to classes, boys and girls. <clears throat> Thank you so much for being here today. It's always encouraging <clears throat> when we see our boys and girls. The Hebrew name Jehovah Sebaoth means the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> now, that used to be confusing to me because a host, I thought, was someone who would entertain you at a party or would have a party or something, and, you know, they would be your host. They would be, we're asking for people to be hosts of the Basque students, so you, you invite them into your home. So, but that's not what the word host means at all here. And we find the first example in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3, and this man, this is uh, Hannah's husband, Elkanah, went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord. And the word for Lord there, the name for Lord there is Jehovah or Yehovah, uh, the Lord of hosts. And there's that word. To, uh, it's actually Sabaah here, which is a derivative of uh, the word Sebaoth. And he said, we went up to Shiloh before the Lord <clears throat> uh, of hosts. In Jeremiah eleven twenty, but O Lord of hosts that judges righteously, that tries the reins of the heart, let me see the vengeance on, on them, thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I revealed my cause. And then the New Testament uses a little bit different form of the word, but it kind of 
it, it kind of, I know the Testament's mostly in Greek, but it kind of borrows the, on the Hebrew <clears throat> in Romans 9.29, <clears throat> and as Isaiah said before them, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been like Sodom and made like Gomorrah. And then again in James 5.4, behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries, and the cries of them that have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. So this name, uh, Jehovah Sabaoth, uh, means absolute divine maker and controller. Now, that makes a lot more sense to me, the Lord of hosts. Absolute creator and controller. So God is not, it doesn't share the control of all creation with anyone else. God doesn't share it with the angels. He doesn't share it with Michael, the archangel, or Gabriel. He doesn't share it with Lucifer, for sure. He doesn't share it with his apostles and prophets and all that. Uh, God alone is the creator and the controller of everything and of all life and all agents. And, and as such, the, the name is used 250 times in the Old Testament, uh, and it refers to God's creation and the control of that creation. Now, Sabaoth is not the same as the Sabbath. I used to think I get confused about that. Sabaoth is separate from the Sabbath. Sabaoth means hosts or great numbers of whatever it is you're talking about. Sabbath is the seventh, the seventh day. Today, guess what? Is not the Sabbath. This is not the Sabbath. Yesterday was the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. The Lord's day is today. That was the day that Christ was raised from. We went from one covenant, one set of promises to another covenant, another set of promises. So we worship on the Lord's day. The Sabbath day of rest is still a good principle. You ought to rest. You ought to have time when you can decompress. You ought to have time. You burn the candle at both ends, you're going to have a problem. You've got to have times for rest. God designed us, and we need that physical and mental rest from the stresses of life and the strains of life. Shakespeare and Kipling both reference this name, and it says here, for example, in one of the poems, God of our fathers, known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath these awful, this awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine. Lord God of hosts, and there it is, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. The tumult of the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart, still stands thine ancient sacrifice and humble and a contrite heart. Lord of God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. This title seems to point to the relationship of God and to his people, and, and when, when they're gathered for worship, the, the Lord of hosts, those that are called together out of all creation. Charles Spurgeon, great Baptist theologian from uh, a century, couple of centuries ago, said, the Lord rules the angels, the stars, the elements, and all the hosts of heaven, and the heaven of heavens is under his sway. The armies of men, though they know it not, are made to subserve, to subserve his will. The generalissimo of the forces of the land and the Lord High Admiral of the seas on our side, our august ally, woe to those who fight against him, for they will flee like the smoke before the wind when he gives the word to scatter them. So that's a, a good description of the Lord of hosts and who he is. God alone is the self-existent one, the creator and controller of all that is. He has all power. He has all might. There's nobody even in second place, and beside him is no other. He is my God. Is he yours? I hope he is.
What does it mean when he's the Lord of hosts? Well, first of all, he's the Lord of the angelic hosts, all the angels that are created, all of the angels in heaven and those who, in fact, have been cast out of heaven. Uh, angels are called the host of heaven. Uh, and the prophet Micaiah says, uh, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting in his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. So I, I wish that we had eyes to see. I wish we could put on some kind of special glasses and be able to see the host of heaven and the fact that they all, uh, they stand on his right and on his left. The psalmist said, bless you the Lord, all his hosts, you ministers of his that do his pleasure. And that's what angels do. They do the bidding of God. Whatever God tells them to do, they do it. Uh, the psalmist also said, praise you him, all his angels, praise you him, all his hosts. The words of Nehemiah, uh, thou, even thou art Lord alone, and thou hast made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their host, and the earth, and the things that are therein, and the seas, and all that is therein, and you preserve them all, and the Lord of heaven worships you. Uh, consider, one day Israel was surrounded by uh, the Assyrians, and they were threatening to destroy the city, they were threatening to kill everybody in the city. Uh, and uh, they, the people inside the city had run out of food, had run out of hope almost, and, uh, and yet the, the prophet said that God would deliver them, and one angel came, one angel came to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 enemy troops. One angel, 185,000 enemy troops were slain. Can you imagine... You remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and one of the things that we sing about is he could have called 10,000 angels or we could have called, actually the Bible says 12 legions of angels. 12 legions, do you know how many that is? 72,000. He could have called 72,000 angels. One of them can slay 185,000. We know that for a fact. Can you imagine if he had called 72,000 angels to Golgotha? Uh, he could have come down off the cross under his own power, but he was there because he wanted to pay the price for your sins and for mine. He was there because he wanted to be that sacrifice, that substitute, that vicarious atonement for you and for me so that we could have everlasting life. The only way we could do that is if he paid the price. Someone who was perfect, and he's the only one who's ever been perfect. Remember when Elijah's... Uh, was, was surrounded again by another, uh, uh, some enemy, and, and the servant said, oh, what are we going to do, Elijah? What, what, what's going to happen to us now? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and listen to this, behold, the mountain was full of horses and the chariots of fire round about them. I recently purchased again, I, I read it probably 40 years ago, maybe, uh, I, I read a book called Piercing the Darkness and This Present Darkness. I get goosebumps thinking about it. And you know what? I, I, I ordered it again because I think Peretti is onto something when he develops the, the, the idea that he talks about because he talks about, uh, he'll be talking about what's going on in this town of, in the first book, Ashton, and, and how that uh, people are not, what they ought to be and not treating people right. And, and we attribute that to them having a bad day or a bad personality or being a grouch wad or something like that. We attribute it to that. 
But you know what? Sometimes it's, it's the e evil spirit. Sometimes it's the demon activity that causes people to do some of the stuff they do. And you don't have to be on drugs to be demon-controlled or demon-influenced. People open themselves up by attitudes and actions and, and by excluding God from their lives. They, they then become this vacant vessel that enemies of the gospel can inhabit. And you say, preacher, you believe in, in demons? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I believe in angels too. The same Bible talks about angels, talks about demons. same Bible talks about Jesus as the Son of God, talks about demons that, that were cast into a, a herd of pigs and they went down a mountainside and drowned in the water. Uh, talked about a, a demon-possessed young man who would throw himself in the fire. I think sometimes uh, people who take their own lives or get to the point where they threaten to take their own lives, they're being influenced by, because that's not a natural response. It's not an, our, our tendency is to preserve our lives. We do what we can to live. One of the strongest things that we have, we, we want to live life. And, and yet for a person to hurt themselves, there has to be some kind of another agency that enters in. And I think sometimes there are spirits of, of self-harm and spirits that would come in and, and try to get us to eliminate ourselves. So... He opened up the eyes of the servant, but he saw chariots of fire all over the place. Some of the psalmists talked about the angels, the hosts of heaven being on. Why do we ever fear anything? Why do we ever, why are we ever afraid? When God has all power, when God is the creator of everything, when God is the controller of everything, when God has every situation in the palm of his hands, when God can do whatever he chooses to do, why do we ever fear his angels are all around protecting us even today? He's the Lord of all the angelic hosts. He's the Lord of all the stellar hosts. What is that? All the stars, all the planets, all the moons, all of that. Jehovah, Sebaoth is the creator God of all that's in all of the, however many universes there are, he is the creator of it all. In Genesis 1:16, God made two great lights, the sun and the moon. And the one light to rule the day and the other light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. In fact, the first time the word Sabaoth is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. The heavens and the earth were finished and the hosts of them, all of the stars. I, I don't even, how many stars are there? Back in the, what, 1500s, they counted them up. You know, they, I, don't, I don't remember what the number was, but like 1,000 stars or 1,100 stars. Now it's like millions and millions of stars out there. He said, well, how could God create millions and millions or billions of stars? Because he's God. He has all power. You want to believe the Big Bang blew up, and, and so we have all these universes, we have all these planets, we have, go ahead. I don't have that much faith. I just believe God is omnipotent, created, and controls and sustains all of the stars in the heavens. Isaiah recognized that God was the God of creation of the host of heaven. In Isaiah 40, verse 26, lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things and brings out their host by number and calls them by their name. He has, not only did he create them all, he names them all, every single one of them. By the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power. Not one fails. Every planet, every star obeys Jehovah Sebaoth. The sun can stand still. Check out Joshua chapter 10. 
You say, well, that's not possible. If the sun stood still uh, and, and, and we didn't rotate around it, it we stayed in the same position, what, things would fall apart. And, uh, it would. Sorry about your God. My God can do that. It can go backwards. Ezekiel, or, or rather Isaiah chapter 38, assigned to Hezekiah. How do you, you, want the, you want the clock to go forward or do you want it to go back? And he said, well, it, the clock always goes forward. Send it back. And he did. A star uh, can go dark. The, the sun can go dark. In Joel chapter 2, it will. A star can serve as a GPS for wise men coming from the Orient to Jerusalem or to Bethlehem, rather. And, and it did in Matthew chapter 2. And all these things have happened in Scripture. So he's the Lord of the stellar hosts. He is, thirdly, the Lord of all the feathered hosts. He's the Lord of all the birds of the air. In Genesis 1:20, God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly, and the moving creature that has life, and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And when the world was destroyed, the ancient world destroyed by the worldwide flood, and Noah was in the ark, and when he had been there a certain amount of time, he sent forth a raven, uh, to find out if, in fact, there was dry land yet. And after that, he sent a dove in Genesis chapter 8. He used ravens to feed his prophet Elijah in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. He said, Elijah, I want you to go by the brook Cherith, and I'm going to provide water for you there during this time of drought, and I'm going to provide uh, ravens to feed you there. Now, folks, in a time of drought, I mean, it was three-and-a-half-year drought, water, Food, everything stopped. There was not, you talk about supply-side issues. They had supply-side issues. They couldn't grow crops. People were starving to death. And here is the prophet, Elijah, and he's down by the brook Sherath, and there's enough water there that sustains his life, and the ravens bring him food to eat every single day. Now, I got to thinking about what kind of food ravens would bring. Are you familiar with the term roadkill? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't imagine them bringing like uh, quarter pounders with cheese. I, I, I just, you know, Chick-fil-A, uh, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that. So, but whatever it was, it sustained him. Whatever it was that they brought, I don't know, God's able. Maybe they did bring some really nice food, perhaps, I don't know. Maybe it was some vegetation they brought him. But the birds of the air were, were, were able to, the ravens were able to feed him by the brook Sherath. He was where he was supposed to be. That's key. You better be where you're supposed to be. We, there's talk about famine now. Let's talk about supply-side problems now. Possible food shortages in the United States of America, which I have never known. You can tell by looking. I have never known a food shortage. They're talking about it now. Guess what? You get where God would have you to be, and as long as you're where he wants you to be, he is going to take care of his own. He will take care of his kids. I'll take care of my kids. You take care of your kids, and he will take care of his kids. You be where God wants you to be. Let him take care of it. The birds of the air one day are going to feed on a banquet of defeated enemies of God at a place called Armageddon. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, and if you've ever been to the Valley of Megiddo, you, there is a sign, or there was a sign. I don't know if it still is. There was a sign. This is where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought. It's right out there. It's spelled out in English. It's not even in Hebrew. You can read it for yourself. And guess what? probably not quite 2,000 years ago now, 
John wrote, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great, because those that will be killed in the battle of Armageddon are going to be consumed by the birds of the, of the air. The host of the feathered flocks do his bidding. Number four, the host of all the animals, uh, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. Psalm 50, verse 10. Hey, you read out the story about Daniel in the lion's den? You've heard that since you were, you know, this tall, right? And, and how the, Daniel uh, was, was accustomed to throwing open his, his shutters, his doors, and, and kneeling and praying to the east uh, three times a day, and how that uh, his enemies concocted a plan whereby they were going to get rid of him, and they told the king, pass a law that no one for the next 30 days will pray to any other god except to you, O king. And that appealed to his, uh, his own uh, self-absorbed nature or whatever, and he made the law, and it was a law that could not be changed because once the king made the law, it had to be obeyed. And then he found out that Daniel uh, was guilty of praying three times a day to Jehovah God. And he tried, the king tried to get out from under that law, that edict that he had signed, but he couldn't because of the laws of the Medes and the Persians. And so he, he blesses Daniel. He says, Daniel, God, your God will take care of you. And they put him in the, in the lion's den with these bunch of lions and nothing happens to Daniel. The king all night long is praying for him. The king all night long is, is interceding in behalf of Daniel. And in the morning, he gets up and, and, he, and he appeals to Daniel. And Daniel says, oh, long live the king. Is that what you'd say to somebody who put you in a lion's den? Long live the king. All's well down here. I don't know. Maybe he had one of the lions as a pillow, and maybe another one was kind of stroking him. I, I don't know, but nobody had taken a, so much as a nibble off of him. And if you think the lions were something was wrong with them, whenever they took Daniel out, and the ones who had had the law passed, they put in, before they hit the bottom of the pit, the lions were all over them, and they were destroyed. Why? And how, how can that be? Because God controls the animals of the field. One of my favorite stories in the whole, I don't know why, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is Numbers chapter 22, Balaam's donkey. It's Balaam's ass, but I don't say that, and I say Balaam's donkey. So, and, and how that Balaam is not supposed to go curse the children of Israel, he's not supposed to do that, and, and yet the guy, he's, he's offered all kinds of recognition, all kinds of awards, all kinds of money, all kinds of incentives. And so finally he says, okay, I'll go. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to bless you, but I'll go. And, and he takes off, and he's on his donkey, and the donkey keeps stopping, and the donkey won't go forward, and the donkey runs up against the side of a... Have you ever ridden mules or horses that'll do that to you? They'll, they'll run you up against a tree or a rock formation or something trying to get you off. And, and that's exactly what Balaam did. And finally the donkey just lays down in the, in the road and... And Balaam gets off and starts beating him, and, and, and the donkey starts talking to him. That's not the funny part. The donkey's talking. Balaam is arguing with him. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> I, I would think he would say, like, what did you say? Come again? 
he just, he just, he just, he was arguing, and Balaam said, and then God showed him there was an angel there with a sword drawn who would have killed him, and he tells him, I would have killed you had your donkey not obeyed me. So the donkeys obey him. The lions obeyed him. The cattle on a thousand hills are God's. They'll do, they'll do whatever his bidding is. The rooster crowed at the right time prior to the crucifixion when Peter denied Christ for a third time, the rooster crowed. And then there was the lion and the prophet of God, which I never, uh, this story in 1 Kings chapter 13 bothers me a lot because here was a prophet of God. He goes, pronounces judgment on the people. He comes away. Uh, they say, well, stay and eat. And he says, no, I can't. I, God told me to leave as soon as I get through with my message. So he, he's leaving. And another prophet in town finds out he was there and sends his son and says, tell him, tell him come back. And, and he told him that. And the guy said, no, I can't do it. He said, well, God appealed to, God told me that you're to come back and, and have, have a meal with me. And that was an outright lie. And so the man, the first prophet, who was told to go leave immediately, goes back, has a meal, and then is destroyed by a lion because he disobeyed God. But the lion did the bidding. But the lion didn't eat his donkey. The lion didn't eat the guy. He just killed him. And then there's Isaiah 11:6. We talked about last week in the children's minute, uh, minute message. The, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And all of this in, in the kingdom is going to be entirely different than it is right now. Somebody on uh, Facebook was t in our neighborhood was talking about their dog got, uh, was bitten by a rattlesnake. It's that time of year. And there's going to become a time when a little child, a little baby can play with serpents. By the way, you who have reptiles for pets, <laughs> something wrong with you. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, something wrong with you. It was a serpent, for crying out loud, that got Eve into trouble, who got Adam into trouble, and that's a whole different message. But anyhow, there'll, there'll be a time when they won't strike the little child. There'll be a time when the, the lion and the wolf and the lamb and the little calf can all lie down together. There'll be a time when it's all restored. You know why? Because God, who is Jehovah Sebaoth, will command them to cohabitate and to live together in peace. Number five, the Lord is the Lord of all human hosts. Nations shall rise and fall at the direction of Jehovah Sabaoth, and they may, they may try to cast off his restraints, the psalmist said, but he will laugh at them in derision. Psalm chapter 2, Psalm 59. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and like the rivers of water, he turns it however he will. Proverbs chapter 21, he can elevate a nation. God can destroy a nation. He did that with Israel, and he did it in Egypt, and he's done it to all the major uh, civilizations since then. Read the prophets. Look at Israel. Look at the United States. Jeremiah 18, 6 says, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? He went, he, he went to the potter's house, and, and the potter was molding the clay and fashioning it, and he didn't like what he saw, and he crushed it down and started over again, and God said, can't I do that to you? you? You are in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation to, or kingdom, 
kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. America, are we paying attention? United States of America, listen up. Israel went before us. Every other major civilization has gone before us. When they choose to destroy their young, their innocent, when the innocent blood is, is poured out, when they offer their children uh, to, the, to the God uh, of Molech and they, they make that human sacrifice, it's, no, it's not much different from the abortion industry today of making a sacrifice of the most innocent of all blood for the purpose of convenience, worshiping at the altar of convenience. When all the gender confusion, when all of the the creation of God, creating man and woman, fashioned uh, specifically XXXY chromosomes designed to be who God made them to be. When God, when God gave the sexes difference, differences for reasons, for specific reasons, and yet both are in the image of Almighty God, and we choose to confuse that, and we can choose to deconstruct what God has done. I don't know. We may be too far gone, folks. It would appear that judgment's already at our door. It would appear that judgment's already falling in a lot of ways. The pestilences that we've had, the United States are affected more than any other nation, New York City more than any other state in the country by COVID-19, 20, 21, 25, 26, you know, all the COVIDs, line them up. What's next? Ultimately, it's God that raises up. And again, I don't want to harp on this, but, but American exceptionalism to me was not we are better than anybody because we are not. American exceptionalism was because our founders provided the idea of a creator God and acknowledged him and honored him and gave him praise and glory. And because we established laws on the basis of the Ten Commandments of God, God uniquely blessed this country. Someone wrote... We kick God out of the schools and we wonder why the devil shows up every day. You take the Bibles out, you take God out of schools, that's the reason you have what you have going on in the schools. That's the reason you have what you have going on in the country. We are reaping what we have planted and what we have deserved as a nation. The nations are but a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance compared to God. And yet God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he's the Lord of the host of the angels. He's the Lord of the stellar hosts. He's the Lord of the fowl of the air and the host of the air. He's the Lord of the animal world and he's Lord of all the human beings. This last one may surprise you or it may not. He is also the Lord of all satanic hosts. What? He is the Lord of all satanic hosts. Ephesians 6.10, quoting from the NLT, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That unseen world's all around us. Against mighty powers in this dark world, and it is a dark world in which we live. 
and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor that you'll be able to, to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after that battle, you will still be standing firm. As I mentioned before, the books, Piercing the Darkness and Present Darkness, they're novels. But the idea came from the idea of the unseen, the principalities, the powers, the, the, the angelic, fallen angelic powers that be. Satan himself is the God, small g-o-d, of this world, according to the word of God. He is the small God of this world. And it talks about, <clears throat> it talks about people being controlled and influenced by these demonic spirits. I believe theologically, I believe, Christian, if you have Christ abiding in you, if you're born again, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and God and, and Satan cannot occupy your temple. That's what I believe. But I believe you can still be influenced. And I certainly believe that save, unsaved people who do not have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling them and the promise of eternal life as theirs, I believe they can be demon-possessed and demon-controlled. Job is the story of a horrific warfare between God and Satan. Job was the one caught right in the middle of it. Job lost all of his wealth, all of his influence, all of his children, the confidence of his wife. He lost everything. Then he lost his health finally. But he did not lose one single thing without permission from Almighty Jehovah Sebaoth. You know why? Because God is the creator and controller of everything. All right, well, if God's the controller and he lets the devil do what he's doing, what kind of God is that? That's a God who's way above my ability to understand and your ability to totally understand. But God has a reason. God has purpose. And that's where faith comes in. We either believe that God is and that he has these powers or we don't. And if you don't believe that, you don't have anything. But Satan could not do a thing without God's permission. He's like a dog on a leash. Take my dogs walking just about every day. Although the older dog, the last two days, is not, she's, not, she's refused to go. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Used to, I'd say, want to go for a walk? I mean, they know what the word walk is. They jump up and down, run around the house, run around the living room four or five times before I can get downstairs. And now I, I say to puppy Sue, you want to go for a walk? And she's upstairs and she'll go. <laughs> you want to go for a walk? <laughs> so it's just been Susie Q and me the last couple of days, but... But you know what? You go out with that. You go out with that leash. Susie Q. You got no Susie Q. That's Pat's dog. It's if a dog can be demon possessed, she is demon possessed, and and she she will. She thinks she's a sled dog. She's only two years younger than the other one, but she's out. She's pulling me down the sidewalk all the time. But you know, I, I've got this kind of a leash that if you push a button, it stops. And she can only go so far. So when we leave the house, there's these cats, these feral cats that live in our hedges and everything. And, and so she'll make a beeline for it. And I push that button and she'll go. <laughs> you think she'd learn, but she, no. The devil whispers in her ear, run for it. Get that cat. Get that kitty. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. 
she takes off every, every single day, every day. So we get away from the house, I let her out a little bit more. It's kind of like a rod and reel. You let her out a little bit more. The devil is on a leash, and it's on a shorter leash than it's ever been, ever before, because the devil's time is coming to an end. He and his imps were actually defeated at Calvary. They were about to throw the biggest party they'd ever had until they figured out they had been duped. They thought killing Jesus was their plan, but it was God's, the Father's, making a sacrifice vicariously so you and I could live forever. They thought they'd won the imps did in the garden tomb until 72 hours had passed and the stone was rolled away. Not so Jesus could get out, but so people could see the tomb was empty and the grave clothes were folded. And Satan will be defeated again at Armageddon. Jesus, in his 33 years of ministry, time and time again showed his power over demons in his earthly ministry, many, many times. And Jesus entered his public ministry on earth by saying these words, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. All power. Our God is omnipotent. We praise thee, thou blessed Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, thy name. In dying thou didst conquer death and host of hell o'ercame. Now whosoever calls on thee shall never be put to shame. Yet is salvation free to all who come in thy blessed name. By thy blood hast redeemed to God this our precious claim. Glory and adoration be unto the Lamb once slain. Chosen in thee forever, Lord, with thee to live and reign. Here journeying on the Lord of hosts to strengthen and to sustain. Our God. Jehovah Sebaoth, the creator and the controller. Your life is not out of his control. Your life is in his hands if you're his child. And if you're not, you can be today. I wonder if you'd bow your heads with me. With bowed heads and bowed hearts, Lord, we come before you today. Asking you, God, to bless every single person here. Asking you to take your words and to burrow them deep in our hearts and in our minds. And Lord, if there's someone here or maybe a couple of someones who are not certain that heaven is their eternal home when this life is over, then may they today put their faith in you for salvation. Not in this church, not in me for sure put their faith in you as God who loves them more than anyone else in this world. If that's you I'm talking about with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're not sure if you died, you'd be in heaven. God tells us that we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. So if you're a sinner, welcome to the human race. The Bible says we're all going to die. The wages of sin is death. 
Maybe young, maybe old, we don't ever know ahead of time generally when that's going to be. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead that we can be saved because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's you and you want to call upon the name of the Lord right now, then I invite you to pray this prayer to him. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what, your word, what words you're framing in your head or in your heart. And, and you can say these words to him and mean it, praying something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to stand before you one day. I believe that Jesus is your only begotten son and that he died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And this morning, in this place, I ask you to be my God and my Savior, my Jehovah, Sebaoth, my Creator, my Controller, be my Lord and my Master. I trust you right now. Every head bowed for a moment. If you just prayed that prayer right now, first time you've ever prayed this prayer and you, and you prayed it right now, would you slip your hand up? Hold it up for just a moment. I won't embarrass you. Just hold it up real high. I want to pray for you. Our Father, we're so thankful and grateful for the fact that you are our creator. You are our controller. You are our savior. You are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are the omnipotent, omnipresent, almighty God. Thank you for loving us in spite of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? And we're going to ask you, as this invitation hymn is sung, to come and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, to come and rededicate your life, to come up here and have prayer, whatever you need, however I can be a blessing, however I can help. Guys, if you want to pray, I'll pray with you. My wife's up here. Ladies, pray with you. Rachel's in the back. Pray with the ladies back there. Ryan right here, you guys want to have him pray with you, he'd be glad to. So as we sing together, if you're not coming forward, sing. If you're, if you're coming forward, come on and do so while they play.
incredible God we serve. So let's, let's go to him and close out this service. And Philemon, would you mind dismissing us in prayer today, sir? Lead us in a word of prayer. God bless you all. Thank you for being here today. just want to thank you for this wonderful time in your presence, knowing you the hope of everything, of all the earth, of all creation. And as we go in our busy week, in our daily lives, that we live out our lives without fear, knowing that your angels are surrounding us every day, all day, in all the things that we do, that we be representative of you to the world, loving and being an example to everyone that we come in contact with, so that lies speak that we are Christians, that we are in you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day. Thank you for being here.